It's a brand new day, and we're putting the AM in American politics. We've seen the darkness of division and despair and are now jumping into the light of a bright path forward. Progress is here, and we're sharing its story with you, for you, all with the help of Signal Boost. Now, here are your hosts, Zerlina Maxwell and Jess McIntosh. Welcome to Signal Boost. This is Jess McIntosh here with Zerlina Maxwell and joined right now by Olga Kazan. She's a staff writer at The Atlantic who has written a fascinating piece called Republicans Have Sex Ed All Wrong. Olga, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Good morning. So in the last couple of weeks, uh, the word grooming has come up a lot from the right. And I'm always suspicious when they start on a new talking point, um, especially one that's designed to like really scare parents. Um, so can you talk about how, why that's happening? Like, why are they saying the word grooming all the time? What are, they're not talking about Matt Gates. Like what, what's going on here? Yeah. So the, the grooming thing has popped up in a lot of um, kind of, uh, pro-Trump uh, Republican websites uh, and talking points uh, and, and kind of blogs. Um, there's also uh, 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 Republican Governor uh, Ron DeSantis's uh, uh, spokesperson referred to the quote-unquote don't say gay bill um, in that state as the anti-grooming bill on Twitter. Um, and there was sort of like this anti-grooming rally at uh, Disney's headquarters in California. Um, it's sort of kind of generally uh, kind of gesturing toward this idea that Democrats are grooming kids to be taken advantage of by pedophiles uh, by telling them about uh, sexuality and gender identity. And but is that true? Do children become more, more, you know, more vulnerable to adult predators if they learn about gender and sexuality? Yeah, so no, no, not at all. Um, uh, so according to I'm a sure. lot of different experts that I talked to, um, actually, the exact opposite is true that comprehensive oh. sex ed actually has a protective effect for kids. And um, they uh, that that teaching kids about uh, sexuality and and gender identity um, can actually um, help them from being taken advantage of later. One of, the, one of the questions I have, though, is, is is the reason why grooming and this focus is happening now, whether it be in rhetoric and the confirmation hearings or on state level in legislation, is it happening because of QAnon? Or does QAnon exist because of like the right wing movement that predated QAnon that was really anti-abortion forces trying to take away sex education? I mean, is it like, what is it? The chicken before the egg? I don't, which came first? Yeah, you know, I'm not sure. It definitely echoes some of the beliefs of the QAnon movement. Um, but then there's also just like different elements of the right right now that are kind of uh, uh, very kind of preoccupied with pedophilia and preventing pedophilia um, and uh, have kind of um, decided that that uh, one way to do that is to, to keep kids from from learning about uh, gender identity and different sexual orientations. Um, uh, but one thing that's important to note is that most kids know, most kids who are sexually abused know their abuser. Um, so this mm -hmm. idea that there's like a lot of pedophiles out there who are waiting to prey on um, a group of kids that they don't 
already know um, is is kind of uh, not very likely. So can you talk a little bit about how, because I think, you know, people get nervous when we're talking about young children and learning this kind of material. Like, what does it mean to teach comprehensive sex ed in elementary school? Like, what are they, what are they learning and how does that keep them safe? Yeah, yeah, people absolutely get uh, very um, uncomfortable when you start to say comprehensive sex ed in elementary school. But that is, in fact, what, what some of the kind of leading sex ed experts recommend. And when they say sex ed, they really don't mean anything graphic or um, that would uh, kind of be something that you would be more prepared for as an adult. Uh, they kind of just mean understanding um, boundaries, consent, um, and actually understanding your own body. Um, so learning the you know, the right terms for your own body parts, um, uh, including your genitals, um, and kind of being able to identify the difference between appropriate and inappropriate touching, um, which is actually the, the piece where, um, you know, these experts believe it helps kind of protect kids against being uh, groomed or, or um, taken advantage of because they actually, um, uh, because whatever predators, uh, you know, they do tend to take advantage of children who, uh, seem ignorant or kind of naive to what's actually going on. I mean, one of the things that's really confusing to me is this idea that there isn't a way to sort of explain what sex education is the way you just did without sort of scaring parents, um, or at least in good faith trying to like examine what the curricula is at school. And like, why is it so hard to do what you just did? Why? Why do people find it so uncomfortable to say the word sex or genitals? Like why it's on our bodies. Like why are we so embarrassed by that um, to, to the point where we're legislating to not teach our kids any of this so that they what go on their phones and learn the wrong things or look at damaging information? Yeah, I mean, I think like, I don't know, I almost think like sex ed is like, it ha it sounds like you're teaching people to have sex, right? But that's really <laughs> not what the, uh, like the program, like the most well-regarded program, um, you know, I looked through, it's freely available online. So it's not, you know, like a, the secret that people are keeping from parents. You can, you can look at every single part of it. Um, and uh, the early grades are just like, you know, um, you know, asking a friend before you like touch them, you know, or, you know, making sure that kids understand the basic concepts of bodily autonomy. Um, you know, they don't really go into um, anything graphic until um, kind of the kids are much older. Um, and um, uh, I, I don't know, I, I think that that message gets lost a lot. And, and I think a lot of older people, like I grew up with abstinence only education, um, well, sex education. Yeah. And I think, I think a lot of like, people who are older kind of didn't ever have the, the kind of comprehensive sex ed. So they don't really know what it consists of. What, no, what is abstin I mean, So when you get abstinence only education, what did you learn? Uh, well, I, I didn't really <laughs> learn anything. I mean, I'm, <laughs> I'm from Texas and I'm, oh, I'm no. in my thirties. So I, I, I learned, um, well, we just learned kind of, we learned about STDs, but we didn't learn like how to use condoms or about IUDs <laughs> or different words you know, ways to, to prevent against pregnancy and STDs. Yeah, I think you also learn pretty restrictive gender roles in abs. Like my, I have a, a good friend who went through the Texas public school system probably the same, roughly the same time that you did. And she describes her sex ed experience as a teacher standing in front of the classroom with a rose 
and plucking off a pedal for every sex act that you might perform with a person. You know, you go on a date, lose a pedal. You hold hands, lose a pedal. You you make out, lose a pedal. And of course, it winds up with a, a petalless flower after you've had sex. And she says, okay, now what do you have left to give your husband? And like, that was sex ed. Like that was the sex ed class <laughs> in school. Which yeah. has, you know, no academic information or medically accurate information conveyed to those students, which really puts them at a disadvantage as they, like, join the world. Yeah, and one thing I wanted to get across in this article is that um, that in other countries, they kind of take a more, this again, once, fascinating. I had oh, no thanks. idea until your article. <laughs> like, once kids are older, so that takes a very, like, what you just described as, like, a very negative view of sex. Um, and uh, so in, in other countries, like, I, I looked a lot at the Netherlands and... Um, Germany and Sweden, they really take this view that's kind of like um, kids should, you know, uh, especially like once they're in high school, they should learn about how, you know, sex can actually be like a positive thing and it can be something that, you know, makes you feel good. Um, and so, uh, you know, when uh, people conduct studies of like, how does that affect you know, kids who went through these like Dutch sex ed programs, um, you know, they end up having a much more positive first sexual experience. Like they end up overwhelmingly saying that they like enjoyed and wanted their first uh, experience because it was, you know, something that they had heard about before that it wasn't presented as like, you're like this rose that all their flowers have been plucked away or whatever. <laughs> I mean, part part of like the whole education, um, we were just talking about gender roles and uh, primates, right? In the last, in our last segment, I don't know if you heard any of it. Mm -hmm. Um, but I mean, it's, it's sometimes when we put the show together, it all fits together. Sometimes that's by accident, but today it feels like just works so well. I feel like some of this, we just made up some stuff. We made up rules that don't make any sense. Um, that are not based on biology or like nature. And we just like make them up. And then when like things that are, you know, naturally occurring contradict our rules, we get all upset. And I just feel like, why do why don't we want, you know, children to grow up with this knowledge? Like, what are what are we so afraid of just them having sex? Because in order to, like, keep the population going, they have to eventually have sex. So I just I find it like hiding the ball for no reason, for lack of a better metaphor. Yeah, I mean, the fear is that that like, uh, you know, uh, you'll give kids ideas by introducing some of these topics. <laughs> they have right? ideas like already. <laughs> they got the internet. They yeah, have. so yeah, like so. So one of the professors that I talked to, you know, th- really uh, pushed back on that and said that like the the danger there is that if you don't have these trusted adults for kids to talk to, um, you know, someone who kind of has their best interest at heart and is going to explain things in an age appropriate way. Um, they're just going to go on the internet, which is like basically porn. Um, uh, and, and she's like a porn, you know, like prevention and education professor. Like she's trying to prevent them from like doing that because that's, you know, not realistic. Um, so, so yeah, so those, those fears don't really hold up either. Oh, I mean, it, it's not just, and I keep saying the internet, like that's, that's the only place where kids understand that sex happens. Like, they've got movies and television (laughs) and you know adult conversation and music and all like there is the only way to keep a kid from knowing that sex exists is to homeschool them and not allow them to engage with society at all so why are like why are conservatives upset about 
accurate information being provided in a world where all kinds of crap is constantly flying around like their their logic doesn't scan like the the, the stated benefit doesn't work like does anybody challenge them on this when they show up at school boards when they start saying this stuff like is anybody saying like no actually sex is everywhere it's like in the ether kids can't grow up not knowing it exists this is the one place they can go for accurate information and a safe space like does anybody push back yeah i mean i think in a lot of places uh people do push back but one thing um i mentioned in the article is that uh, the kind of curricula that gets taught in schools, um, a lot of it depends on sort of the community values. Um, like you would think that there's like one thing that all fourth graders learn, but there, there's not. Like a lot of it is kind of shaped by the school board um, and, and also shaped by like parental complaints and kind of the um, kind of what, what the community wants. Um, so in places where this kind of sentiment is really prevalent, um, you're not going to have comprehensive sex ed. Like not every school teaches comprehensive sex ed because uh, not every parent wants their kids to learn that. Um, so there, there is like, I, it, there is pushback, but it's, you know, almost like majority rules where if you live in a, in a heavily conservative area where these fears are really prevalent, it's going to be hard to break through with like a super progressive sex ed curriculum. Hmm. If parents do want their kids to learn about respect and boundaries, and I mean, this just seems like basic school concepts to me. Like, I don't, I don't, like, I can't imagine the parent that doesn't want their kid to learn respect and boundaries and that, like, you get to decide who and who touches you and how. Um, like, should, should parents who, who do believe that sex ed is an important part of education, should, should they be calling their senators? Should they be, like, lobbying their school boards? Like, how do we... What, what should the other side do? There are ostensibly more people in America by a significant margin. It was like 98% the last poll that I read want sex ed in high school and 89% want it in middle school. Like if we're really that much of the majority, what, what should parents be doing in order to tell school districts, like don't cave to this minority that's not being honest about why they don't like this thing. Like what, what should they do? Yeah, I mean, I think showing up at your school board is, is a really good start and even maybe running for school board um, and also just trying to present. I mean, that's kind of what I do at my job, like trying to present this way, this stuff in a, in a non-threatening and accurate way. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. I think the, the, the problem is, is that when you say like kids learning about sex and grooming, you know, like that kind of tends to shut down the conversation, which is, is probably why it's effective. Like right. it kind of, um, it's so scary that like nobody wants to go further and like have a further discussion. But if you're like, hey, actually it's not grooming, here's what it actually consists of. Um, I think that that, um, that might help persuade some people who are kind of on the fence or who may just like not even really know um, that, that these curricula exist and like what they consist of. You end your piece with something that I think is really important, which is because so much of the, I'm quoting now from, from the piece, because so much of American sex education treats sexual activity as dangerous or shameful, kids who are victimized by adults may feel that they have to keep it a secret. And I read that and it was just like, oh yeah, that's the gut punch right there. Like if we, if we give kids the knowledge and this is where like the pleasure principle comes in. If you give kids the knowledge that like sex exists and it should feel good, <laughs> like mm -hmm. if something goes wrong, they don't feel like they have done anything wrong. Like they know that something bad has happened and they know that it wasn't their fault. And isn't that 
what what we want to do. like isn't that the opposite of grooming yeah I mean um, so this uh, uh, Bonnie Ruff this this writer that I quote a lot in the piece um, uh, talks about how those who prey on children can no longer benefit uh, from their ignorance um, and I think I thought that was a really powerful quote because um, it is it it does seem like like predators will go after kids who who don't know this stuff and who are confused and kind of feel like this area is like murky and it's not really clear what the boundaries are and what's what's going on, you know, down there. Right. And, and so it is really important just to tell kids like, like, you know, the basic facts they need to know to protect themselves. Um, so I don't know, I thought that was, that was a really well said on her part. It, re it really is because it feels to me like, you know, the, the overarching narrative is that we're afraid to like expose our kids to this because for some reason they'll be damaged, but like by not the, actually the opposite is true by not exposing them the likelihood of them being um, victimized is higher because they don't have the knowledge to keep themselves safe. I mean, it just feels like we're always doing the opposite thing for, you know, for the purposes of the goal, the stated goal. Um, is this the kind of movement on the state level that has a counter? Is there a pro-sex education, you know, like, let's actually teach this to, to children because otherwise they're on their phones looking at porn? Um, and without a counterpoint, um, is there a pro sex education movement? How do I sign up? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so, um, uh, that's a good question. Like how do everyday citizens get involved? I would say it's through some of the steps that I said earlier, which is, is just, um, kind of local kind of citizen activism. Um, but you can kind of start by, by downloading. So the, the organization that, that, kind of created this curriculum that I talk about in the piece um, is called Advocates for Youth. Um, I quote them a lot in the story. Um, and they have this curriculum is called the three R's. Uh, I think it's rights, respect and responsibility. Um, it's available for free online. So you can go check out that curriculum. They have like videos. They've done like a lot of work, actually. They've, they've created like all these videos for parents, um, like what to do if your kid asks you like a like a odd question or like a, a question about sex and you're like, I'm not sure the best way to answer. Um, uh, you know, they have they have videos that kind of walk parents through all that stuff. Um, so it's just something to maybe like present in your community if you notice that they're not teaching comprehensive sex ed like hey this is one option um, and you know there's others out there too it, that sounds like the opposite of what the right is saying like that sounds wildly transparent and also like you're trying to create a space for kids to have conversations with their parents like not not just about having the school be a safe space like you're actually trying to foster a family dynamic yeah, like, so that's, that's something that really, um, like, comes through in, in, in all of these books that I read about European sex ed is that, like, um, kids seem to feel more comfortable talking about sex with their parents and their teachers or, like, let's just say, like, their bodies and, like, what's going on, um, uh, which I think is, like, is, like, kind of a good thing because you, you, again, don't want them getting that information from, uh, like, from, from porn or from the internet or from their friends who also have like tend to have bad information. Um, so, so you kind of want that information to be coming from adults. Um, uh, yeah. So I, I don't know. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not sure why, why this, this got so mixed up and almost like backwards. Um, but yeah, that's experts say kind of the opposite is true. 
Well, because I mean, I know why. Maybe you're you're a reporter, so you're nonpartisan. But I can say it got mixed up because when parents are scared, it's easier to take control of curriculum, assert your agenda, and win elections. Like, and it doesn't matter if you're keeping kids vulnerable in order to do it. Like, that's that's really tough when we use kids as political pawns that way. Like, that's that's like one of the worst features of of our American political system. And it's just it's it's really sad when when we make the most vulnerable among us get caught up in that. It's uh, yeah, it's not right. So I guess, uh, you know, we need to we need to be a little bit louder about the need for comprehensive sex ed in our classrooms. That's just sort of the world that we're living in now and it's a bummer but we can do it <laughs> olga kazan thank you so much for joining us this morning and for writing this incredibly important piece about i think a front that we didn't realize we were fighting on <laughs> no absolutely yeah thanks for having me on We'll be back tomorrow with another Signal Boost podcast. Thanks for listening. Bye.